This is episode 38 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden, the resident intuitive healer and witch at SensitivityUncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help all of us evolve out of the limiting patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hello, hello, dear ones. Welcome back. Thanks so much for being here today. You may have noticed that last episode I had new music for the intro and that I now went back to the old music for the intro um, because the new music was terrible and it did not suit me at all. And while I love my singing bowls and I love my chimes and making that music, uh, I don't think I executed that very well. So as I went to listen to it today under this um, impending full moon energy, it was like, no, nope, 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 that's not going to work. So I'm back to the music that I chose in the beginning, which really seems fitting. So we'll just have that odd podcast with the odd intro and outro, and there you'll have it. Welcome to our full moon in Leo today. So this episode comes out on Sunday, January 20th, when we have a full moon in Leo at 9.16 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So I'm recording this on Thursday, January 17th, after what I will say is a, has been a, a fantastically full day of making herbal medicines, which I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. So I'm feeling really relaxed, really grounded really happy to be chatting with you today. And today's podcast is just me chatting at you. So there you go. But let's talk for a minute. We're talking about lunar rhythms this year. So last episode, we talked a lot about the full moon, what the full moon represents, um, some rituals that you could do during that new moon. Did I say full moon? I meant new moon. Sorry, we had that new moon. And it was, there was, you know, a lot of things um, kind of coalescing together in that, in that new moon. There's a lot of energy there. And kind of similarly, we've got a lot coming at us this full moon. So between the last episode and this episode, if you're listening to this in present time, if you're listening to these episodes as they come out, the energy in the collective, the collective emotional energy around us has been, um, has been building. Our energy has been building. The energy around us builds when the moon is waxing, when it's going from its dark state to its lightest. And I've been speaking a bit more with um, my astrologer, Dina DeCastro, to help me understand these cycles a bit more in my life and then how to relay some of that information to you, knowing that I'm not an astrologer. I'm just starting to try to understand these cycles for myself. So if Dina is listening, she will tell me how well I did today. Um, But when the moon is full, 
the full moon is all about this great spotlight. And if you remember, the, the moon represents our uh, more, more feminine feeling side. It's kind of like how we are feeling. Um, and that's why we're talking about it on this show um, for high, highly sensitive big feelers. So in a, whereas in the new moon... We, you know, kind of went inside. It was a time of darkness. The full moon is all about shining really, really bright. And if we were intentional about things, um, and maybe we weren't intentional about it, either way, really, the new moon is an opportunity for us to plant seeds, for us to start intentions, to, to start a cycle. And the full moon is a time to shine light on what we have done up to this point, what has been created. It's a time to celebrate. It's, it's the peak of our energy, and it's a time when we can have gratitude for what's come. So, for example, the intention that I held around the new moon was to start to gather a deeper understanding of who I am and and what my purpose is here. And I've had a lot of amazing experiences just in these past couple of weeks to help me along that path. And so now I can look at that in gratitude, um, look at what has worked, look at what you know, I might not want to do again. Um, But for now, it's just this full moon is a celebratory time. And this full moon is in Leo. And so Leo is all about kind of wanting to, to, to have attention, wanting to be out and social. So you might feel yourself having extra energy, feeling like you have more energy available. You might feel yourself wanting to be seen um, or connect with friends. And for us highly sensitive people who are also introverts, you know, this would be the energy where we could like go to a concert, you know, or something crazy. Um, Leo is also about creative activities, working with our inner child or with children in general. It's playful, it's fun, it's attention seeking. And so when paired with a full moon, we just have so much energy available. So there are a lot of different rituals you can do during a full moon. Mine are just, it's just simply going to be a gratitude journal, sitting down, recognizing, hey, what have I been building here? And, um, Let's celebrate it and be grateful for it. I can imagine that during a Leo full moon, um, having some sort of artistic um, presentation, like a, a you know, instead of journaling, doing something. Well, not that journaling is not artistic, but um, you know, just doing something really artistic could be a really, really fun thing to do. Particularly if you are with friends in a group. So happy, happy full moon! I hope you have a lovely one. The Sacred Day of Inbulk is coming up on February 2nd, and that's a day or two before um, the next episode comes out. So I just wanted to say hello to that day and kind of place it in your mind. This is a, this was a day, now we think of this as Groundhog Day, you know, whether we're looking toward the spring or if we're going back to winter. But in the ancient times, this was known as the, the, the day that we celebrated that marked some of the first signs of spring. And we've had a little bit of a, an interesting weather pattern here in Seattle where we've actually seen the sun in the winter, <laughs> which doesn't happen all that much. Um, and the, the air, while it's mostly been cool, we had this interesting couple of days where some clouds came about, but it wasn't fully cloudy. 
and there was a breeze, and the breeze was rather warm, and the sense that I got was, oh, spring could be on its way. And it was just this real hint um, in the air. But Imbolc is the ancient day that we celebrate the first signs of spring and you know like the fertilizing warmth of the of the goddess or the feminine energy that that comes in at this time the idea behind this sabbat is that incoming energies are quickening everything and if you just you know pay attention to the natural world you'll start to see these just tiny tiny signs uh, of the light and the warmth to come and so this is a good day to be mindful in the ways that we accommodate the light, in the ways that we accommodate the quickening and the new information, so that we can evolve deeper into the spiral of our path, rather than, you know, being flung far and wide. So I know that for myself last year around Imbolc was when I started taking on too many projects. I loved the feeling of the quickening energy so much that I just said yes to everything because everything sounded amazing. And so Imbolc asks us both to celebrate this energy and be mindful about how we want our garden to grow. Rituals for the day of Imbolc usually include a ritual fire, um, to represent both your illumination and, you know, the sun goddess, the light coming back in uh, to the land and all of those, those quickening energies to come. So I think of, I think of Imbolc also is this transition period. We're not in the height of spring, right? We're not fully blooming. We are, we're we're planning, we are considering, how do I want to move forward with all of this energy that's going to be coming? And so in in these times, you know, and really in any times, but particularly in these times, getting grounded as you consider how you want to accommodate these energies, how you want to move forward is vital. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about is this idea of groundedness. And I have to really thank one of my listeners um, who wrote me this long email and and, and she's a student too. She's um, worked with me in, in several capacities and said, I need you to do a podcast about grounding because I need more people to know about grounding. It's been a game changer for me. And I think it can be more of a game changer for for everyone else. And um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And before we get into the bulk of things, I want to just jump back to what I said earlier about making medicinal oils. One of the things that is true for those of us who are highly sensitive is that our nervous systems, right, are picking up more information, processing that on a deeper level. And we need ways to allow the nervous system to rest and revitalize and feel nourished. One of the best practices that I have found over the years and that I've prescribed, I suppose you could say, to others is the Ayurvedic practice of Abhyanga. And you can really just refer to this as um, a self-oil or a self-massage practice. 
I just got done making a fantastic batch of medicated self-massage oil. The oils are called Belonging, and this is a batch that is specifically formulated to calm your nervous system and allow you to center back in yourself so that the rest of the world melts away and you come home to yourself. So when I talk about making a medicated oil, what I mean is I'm using my training, my knowledge in herbalism, and and I'm mostly trained in Ayurvedic herbalism, to properly cook herbs um, in oils um, that, that creates an, an oil that has the, the medicinal properties of the plants extracted into the oils themselves. So this is different than having a jar of oil with some essential oils in it um, or having, you know, pouring some oil over a plant and letting that sit for a while. There's nothing wrong with those things, but these oils are extra special. I've actually um, worked with with um, each plant in the way that it needed for me to extract those um, uh, compounds out, and those are now cooked into this oil. The oil turned out beautifully. It's this golden yellow color, and it has a sweet, earthy smell to it. It's just perfect for spring. You don't have to have a medicated oil to practice self-massage, but I love the extra nourishment of those herbs that are specifically designed to calm and tonify your nervous system. So if you haven't seen my new website already at sensitivityuncensored.com, I have a boutique And the boutique currently has a few products like self-study courses, um, simple handouts, um, audio meditations, and things like that. But I'm going to be putting these medicated oils in the boutique. Now, this is small batch. This is something that I did in my kitchen with a friend of mine. I have, mm, I think, 16 of these jars of oil to sell, um, and I will ship them uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, I will ship them to you. The practice of self-massage does a couple of things. At the most basic level, it's a way for you to moisturize your skin. So instead of using lotion, you would use an oil. Um, Secondly, it's a way for you as you self-massage to work your lymphatic system. Our lymphatic system is kind of like the... People call it the sewage system, but it's the way that toxins... um, are pushed out of our body and it has no pump besides the lungs and the heart. There's nothing that's like pumping it through our body. So it moves better with um, exercise and also with massage. Um, The other part about self-massage that I think is really important, um, particularly for women, is understanding what your tissue feels like so that you can find any abnormalities in your tissue. And so I say this is particularly helpful for women when massaging the breast area and under the arms and armpits. So, and then lastly, I should say, the The final thing that is so important about a self-oil massage is self-love, is is the practice of giving to yourself. So in traditional Ayurveda, um, the Sanskrit word snehana means both oil and to love. 
And so when we, when we add oil to our food, to our body, to, to different things, um, we are actually adding love as well. So the idea with self, self-oil massage in its most simple form is to daily massage oil into every part of your body. Rub it into your tissue. Feel it getting in there. You don't have to come out shiny and slick like you're, <laughs> you know, you, you can just rub enough oil that your skin can digest that feels right. Traditionally, in the practice, you would put your oils on and leave them on for about 20 minutes. Um, and something I recommend my students do is, is if they have that time to put their oils on for about 20 minutes, sit and meditate, you know, or, um, you know, I, I used to put on my, I called them my oily clothes and I would go and meditate or play with my, my singing bowls or something like that. And then rinse off, don't wash off, but rinse off with a warm shower or a hot shower. And that, um, that added heat and steam bolts both <laughs> helps the oil absorb, but also allows the oil that is rinsed off to kind of pull out impurities from the skin. And then you can always add extra oil on top of that. So it's just a fantastic practice. I've made this oil for you. I've made it for me. And I hope that you will check it out. You can order the oil with additional essential oils in it. Um, If you would like me to custom create a blend for you, I'd be happy to do that. But otherwise, you can just have the oil as is. Add your own extra essential oil should you want to. So check that out in the boutique. I want to have it out for in bulk. Um, and so I, it, it's actually cooling out on my counter right now. I'm going to be putting it in jars with these beautiful labels um, pretty soon. So as soon as I get all of that out, I'll get it up on the website. It should be up next week sometime. Yay. The practice of self-oil massage is very grounding. It is rooting. Because we're taking something that is heavy, oil, and we are adding it to our skin. And as we are doing that, the oils are actually working on the nervous system as well because touch, particularly self-touch, with the intention of nurturing um, and loving ourselves, can be very calming to our system, right? So this is a, a really great thing if you are if you have a difficult time getting grounded and you're going to know what that means if you don't already by the time this podcast is over then a daily practice of self oil massage can really really help you with that. And it's kind of interesting because Imbolc kind of asks us are you planted? Are you rooted? Are you set so that this upcoming light is not going to throw you off kilter. Plants root into the ground. Our spirits root into our bodies. And our bodies have evolved on this planet for millions of years. So healer, ground thyself. As healers, 
I'm going to talk to the healers for a minute. We tend to be airy-fairy. We tend to be up in the realms and in the stars and in the cosmos and in the astral. And um, yeah, I, can, I say it like that because I say those words too. We tend to be in these other places connecting to subtle energies and something that I've just noticed, and I've talked about this before, is that in the spiritual communities, in healing communities, there are a lot of healers who are ungrounded. And an ungrounded healer is a dangerous healer. I'm going to talk about why that is. If you are a highly sensitive person who is not a healer. Being ungrounded isn't necessarily dangerous for others, but it's not helpful for yourself. So let's talk about some basics first. Let's talk about the elements and the qualities associated with grounding because people talk all the time, well, well, just get grounded. Just go have, you know, put your bare feet on the earth. You can walk around barefoot on the earth in an ungrounded way. All right, so we're going to talk about what what actually constitutes grounding. The elements associated with grounding are earth and water. If we think about the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, or space, the heaviest elements, earth and water, are associated with grounding. They are the densest the qualities that describe them are they're they're dense they're heavy they're stable they're static they're not going anywhere right those are qualities that that describe what it means to be grounded and what it means to um, be in good um, harmony with the elements of earth and water You know, we rarely get in a tub full of warm water and spin out into stress, right? Because it's soothing, it's heavy, it's grounding. The elements associated with being ungrounded are air and ether. Fire can be grounded or it can be ungrounded. But the the qualities that describe air and ether, that they're light, they're dry, air moves so it's mobile, you know, they're kind of creative and out of the box, it's just going places, there's nothing holding it in place, it's unstable. And if you notice, as I talk about all of these qualities, we want a good mixture of both of them, both in our bodies excuse me, in our psyches, in our mind, and in our spirit. The problem with so many spiritual paths, and particularly kind of the pop culture um, way uh, of New Age spirituality, is that the higher realms, the ungrounded, the higher chakras, the air and ether things of the world are valued over and, and really at the expense of the grounded things, over at, you know, at the expense of um, earth and water. 
So if, if we, um, hmm, let me see where I, where I want to go with that. So when we are ungrounded, just in our day-to-day life, when we are ungrounded, we are going to feel spacey, scattered, um, multitasking, um, a little bit, a little bit foggy, um, maybe a little bit um, frantic, uh, maybe not, uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, we're going to feel light and airy. Everything might be, feel fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's fine. We might start and stop lots of projects, but not really finish anything. We might um, feel like we've got tons and tons of great ideas, but don't really know how to bring them into life. Uh, we might feel like we're constantly, um, if we get unbalanced in an ungrounded way, can feel like we're just too overstimulated. And the dangerous qualities that I was talking about earlier with healers being ungrounded is when we start to use upper chakra or ungrounded theories to explain or address um, lower chakra or um, very human situations and needs. So an ungrounded point of view, so let's say there's a... a natural disaster. A healer who is ungrounded might say, oh, there must have been something in the collective energy where uh, that region, those people called in, you know, a disaster to happen and Mother Nature was was angry and mm -hmm, mm -hmm, let's all meditate now. Um, The grounded healer would say, Oh my God, that's terrible. Where can I donate my money? Where is there something on the ground that I can do? I feel so terrible for these people. Let me take some action. And then later on, be like, huh, I wonder what the energy of that was. I wonder if there were spiritual implications associated with that disaster. The ungrounded healer re-traumatizes people who come to them because they don't address trauma and pain as real. They address them up in airy fairyland. Trauma and pain and emotions are actually things that are dense. They have a denser vibration because they are lodged, partly at least, within our physical body. So most of the things associated with our physical body at least its physical tissue and its operations uh, have to do have to deal with the the denser elements and the lower chakras. Lower chakras are denser than the upper chakras, and it's pretty common for healers and psychics to be very well versed in spiritual mechanics and in how air and ether work and how the astral planes and the five dimensions come together and the nine worlds and how all of that works and and whether or not all of that is true we also live in human bodies that have their own anatomy their own mechanics that are informed by our dna and the people who have come before us and that get hurt and that feel pain. And we live in bodies with minds that are kind of limiting sometimes. 
with thoughts that like to push us around. And if we as healers are always bypassing that pain by staying up in airy fairyland, like we're riding on an airplane, looking down, oh, well, it didn't touch me, so I can just have all my theories about it. If we never touch down, we harm people. And for those of us who are not healers, those of you who are not healers who are listening, when we never get grounded, we don't complete things in life. We don't have that time to stop and smell the roses. We wonder why we can't ever finish anything. And that uh, fun, kind of exciting Uh, creative energy can turn into burnout if we don't know how to stop and take time to really ground all of our new ideas in our bodies. The concept of embodiment is one of, I mean, that's really what we're here to do. Like if I, you know, if I could just break it down, particularly as highly sensitive people, we're here to learn how to be in human bodies and take all of the creative, spiritual, fantastically out-of-the-box information we have and be able to tolerate it, work with it, and be badasses with it in our bodies. So thus, the practice of grounding. So here's what grounding helps us with and what it requires of us. Grounding helps us be okay with our body. Grounding doesn't mean we're going to love our body right away. And I'm not going to suggest you have to love your body, particularly if you're a woman, because we're always told we have to love our bodies and men are never told they have to love their bodies. So don't feel like I'm telling you to love your body. But grounding can help us be okay with our bodies. Because like I said earlier, while plants root into the ground, our spirits, our energy bodies root into our physical bodies. And most highly sensitive people I see, and a lot of healers I see, were only rooted maybe to about the heart. Our spirit wants to hang out in those upper chakras and those upper realms where everything's airy-fairy. And we're good at that space, right? It's not that none of that information is legit. That information can be legit, but it needs to become embodied information. So it can help us be okay with our body. Grounding also starts to require that we're okay with our body because if all of a sudden we are rooted in our body, we got to kind of want to be there. And so I find that those of us who have had uh, any sort of trauma within the body, particularly physical or sexual trauma, it can be more difficult to get really grounded, to fully embody and be in those lower chakras, the lower parts of your body. That does not mean you can't get there. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, that's I help people with that a lot. Being, uh, or sorry, grounding helps us be connected to humanity and helps us access our empathy. 
And it helps us access our empathy in a way that allows us to stay present to what we are feeling too, so that we're not just um, becoming um, overwhelmed by someone else's experience. Grounding helps us process. And grounding also requires that we are connected to our humanity and that we are empathetic. And really importantly, another thing that that grounding helps us with is to take responsibility for our actions and take responsibility for the information that we are bringing into this world and how our information affects others. When we're grounded, when we're in those lower chakras, those are the, the, the chakras, the, the areas connected with community, with how we relate to others. And so we, we need to be able to access those when we are working in intimate you know, settings with others or when we have any sort of intimate relationship, friendship, partnership, you know, parent, parent-child. We all have those relationships, right? And when we are grounded, it's a lot easier for us to say, okay, I think this is where, you know, I'm going to take responsibility for this part. <clears throat> this, is, this other part is clearly not mine. And grounding requires that we do that. Healers who are not grounded will consistently not take responsibility for their actions. And it's interesting that I was saying earlier that a lot of um, healers are um, just grounded into their, about into their heart, the other places into the ego. It seems a little counterintuitive, but we can be grounded just only as far down as about our solar plexus, where our ego resides. Um, and the ego wants to keep us stuck. It wants to identify. It wants to give ourselves an identity that feels good in the world. And the ego doesn't want us to take responsibility for things that are uncomfortable. And if we've really identified as somebody who has a lot of information about healing or spirituality, we might be really uncomfortable with the idea that some of our words and actions could have harmed others because, of course, we we know and the gods are on our side or whatever. Um But being grounded allows us to reconcile those things, allows us to understand the, you know, the spiritual mechanics behind events, but not bypass our actions or what we're actually responsible for. On a brighter note, (laughs) grounding allows us to digest all of the information we take in from our nervous systems and from those upper chakras. So if we are, you know, highly spiritual people, uh, maybe we're having all kinds of incredible experiences, grounding helps, um, what's the word I want to use? Grounding helps bring those experiences into the body. It helps us digest them. It helps helps us incorporate them on a body level on a, you know, a, a, like a DNA level, I would say. So if we, so grounding actually helps us 
right? We don't just stay stuck in the land of ideas or information. We actually allow that information to become part of us. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting because we're talking too about these cycles of the new moon and the full moon. And that cycle allows for a period of digestion and rest, right? When we move into that new moon cycle, we get that period of digestion and rest. We get to ground, put our feet in the earth, put our energies in the earth, root back down, and then grow up toward that full moon from a rooted, grounded place. I hope this is making sense. I realize I'm, you know, even though I've I planned out some notes, it could feel like I'm jumping a bit. There are so many things I could say about groundedness um, in terms of different mechanics, using the aura, the chakra system, using the elements and the qualities, um, how how things are grounded or ungrounded in pop culture, um, in politics. Oh, my God. Um, So I have a lot more information about this. And if you're finding that you have questions, please email me and ask. Anna at sensitivityuncensored.com, or better yet, join the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion and Mighty Networks. It's free. We have discussions about podcasts, and let me know what your questions are about this. But let's next go into how do we ground? (laughs) If grounding is so fucking important, then how do we do it? So there are many ways to ground. But what I'll refer you back to are the elements and the qualities that we talked about. So things that help us ground are things that are heavy, stable, static, and dense. So things in general that are grounding are routines. One of the first things I teach highly sensitive people in my spiritual hygiene courses is that to go along with all these new spiritual information that you're learning, you need to have a daily practice. You need to have a morning ritual and perhaps a bedtime ritual. And what the ritual does or the routine does is creates like a container or an anchor, something stabilizing for your nervous system to be able to intake and process information. So in general, routines are stabilizing. Moving slowly, particularly in your mind, is grounding. So I don't mean that you have to be a slow thinker, but what I mean is that multitasking is not grounding. And and. I say that I'm a really good multitasker because I have a lot of that era energy. But that idea of mindfulness that the Buddhists talk about, right? Mindfulness, doing something consciously, putting our attention very consciously on things, one thing at a time, that is grounding. And so when I explained earlier that you could walk outside barefoot in an ungrounded way, what I mean is that you could go and walk outside barefoot on the land, but be thinking about like what you're cooking for dinner and, you know, what you're going to say to your son and the fact that, you know, the PTA, whatever. That would be the ungrounded way. The grounded way to do grounding barefoot would be to take a deep breath, would be to close your eyes, would be to focus on the sensation of your foot 
on the earth? What does it feel like? What does that feeling arouse in you? Slow down. Slowing down is grounding. Other things that are grounding are, um, again, so like moving slower. So I know that if I'm really ungrounded and I go for a run, I'm just going to be more ungrounded. So I'll often go for a walk or a hike. Do something that is a little bit slower. Um, Doing anything really mindfully. Kind of just talked about that. Um, And then uh, taking a warm bath. That can be very grounding. Um, And doing anything with ritual. So one of the free handouts that is free right now in my boutique is is called the Guidelines to Healthy Eating. And this is basically how you get grounded in order to eat a meal. And when we get grounded in order to to eat a meal, we digest better because we're not trying to digest everything in the room. We're just trying, we just get to digest our food. So the guidelines for healthy eating is in the boutique in my store. And that is a way to slow down at mealtimes and do things very intentionally. Those are some of the very basic ways that we can get grounded in our day-to-day life. I teach a method of grounding in my spiritual hygiene classes that is the number one tool that I recommend for highly sensitive people and for healers. And it is a tool that we almost all of us have to practice a lot. Because as highly sensitive people, our natural tendency is to not be fully in the body. Our natural tendency is to spend more of our time in the upper, outer, lighter chakras. Those are that's our, that's natural for us, and it doesn't work when we stay there all the time. So here's what I'm doing for you today. For the next week, I'm going to have my grounding meditation available for you on. Patreon. It's free. It's public. You get to have my grounding meditation on Patreon. You can download it, listen to it, practice it. Practice it, practice it, practice it. And tell me what you think. Sometimes when you start this meditation, your You might get physical sensations. When I learned how to ground, I felt nauseous every time I did it because I was not used to being in my body. And here's the thing that my meditation gives you. It connects your aura, your energy body, to your physical body, kind of linking them together in the way that they operate best. And then it links both of you or connects both of you to the planet because you live in your body on this planet, at least in this point in time. (laughs) Being on this planet comes with certain benefits. I know that a lot of you feel like you would rather be somewhere else or that you belong somewhere else. You don't. Not now. You're here for a reason 
And when we ground in the way that I teach, we get to connect with the planet and start to form a relationship with the the thing, the foundation, the mother who holds us. And so grounding also becomes a relationship. And one thing that our earth is so good at doing is taking things that have served their purpose and composting them into something that will grow or provide life for something else. And so in my grounding meditation, I teach you how to use grounding to disconnect, separate, or release from energies that aren't yours, emotions that aren't yours, from what I call just foreign energies. You know, someone left their energetic socks in your space. Let's get rid of those. And the agreement is that the earth helps us with those things. And so grounding on a psychological level, particularly if we didn't have the most nurturing mothers, can be profoundly healing, profoundly nurturing. So I'm going to have that meditation for you on Patreon for the next week. And after that, I'm going to create a download that you can pay for. It'll probably be in my boutique. If I don't put it in my boutique, I will let you know. And then finally, if you are interested in this idea of grounding and you're interested in learning it, not just from a guided meditation, but learning um, it more structurally, learning from a teacher and combining it with other spiritual hygiene tools, I invite you to join my next upcoming spiritual hygiene class. I just taught a lovely live weekend with students in my spiritual hygiene class just on January 13th. It was lovely to be able to work with people in person. But for those of you who are listening, who would like to take a class from me, who would like to learn these basic tools, of keeping the energetic space clean and clear, learning autonomy, understanding boundaries on a subtle way that translates really easily into our very physical, relatable day-to-day way, please join me for the next class. It's an all-day intensive of spiritual hygiene. It's happening on Sunday, or is that correct? Hold on. It's happening Saturday, excuse me, happening Saturday, February 9th, and it's on online. So it'll be from my, um, it'll be on Zoom video chat so you can join me from anywhere in the world that you live. We'll cover all of the tools that you get in the spiritual hygiene class. You receive additional support from me outside of class so you can check in, make sure the tools are working with you, working for you rather. You get access into a private circle for students and you're officially enrolled in the School for Sacred Rebellion. Should you choose to go any further, you then have all of the prerequisites, everything that you need to then go on and develop your intuition should you want to. Um, So consider signing up for that class. I would love to have you. You can find out more on my website, www.sensitivityuncensored.com forward slash school. And that would be signing up for the February 9th cohort. So please hit me back with your questions about 
grounding. I hope that this information was helpful to you. And if you have any questions or comments, um, or if you totally hated what I say and don't agree with it at all, please let me know. All right, my dears, until the next new moon, talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to the show. All of the show notes, links, and references can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you'd like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn about my membership or school, please visit my website at www.sensitivityuncensored.com.